All right, it's the Jeff Thitoff Show, hosted by me, Jeff Tito Thitoff. Thank you so much for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter, at Happens. We are presented by BetUS.com. Bet with a three-decade leader, BetUS. Join now for a 125% bonus using promo code DSP125 or a 200% bonus with crypto using promo code DSP200. And bet sports, casino, uh, horses, pop culture even, and more at BetUS.com. You bet, you win, you get paid at BetUS.com. All right. So uh, the Deshaun Watson news, we've talked about that before, how he was suspended for six games. Uh, by uh, independent arbitrator, the former judge, Sue L. Robinson. And uh, now the I'm not surprised by this, but the NFL has appealed that. So the way it works now, NFL appeals it, and um, they had to do it in writing. And then Roger Goodell could either rule on it himself or could hire could bring somebody else in to rule on it to uh, examine the case. Now, um, he has brought on a uh, former attorney general from the state of New Jersey, Peter Harvey, is going to be the one. He's going to be the one who presides over the appeal by the NFL and he appointed by Goodell. So Goodell appointed him. That's also worth noting. Now, a couple interesting things about this is that, you know, the NFL, they wanted a full year or actually wanted a banishment and a big fine originally is what they were looking for. A banishment and a huge fine and make Watson uh, reapply to get back into the NFL in a year. And obviously, Sue Robinson's um, her uh, punishment was six games and no fine. Six games without pay, no fine. So Watson's people did not appeal that. So that's six games, according to Mike Florio, if I'm reading this correctly or hearing this correctly, that six games is not being appealed by Watson's people. So even, depending, no matter how this process plays out going forward, the NFL appealing this, Watson's sitting out the first six games of this season. Um, what's interesting about this, though, by the way, let me get to, let me go back to this first. Dan Patrick, I heard him talking about this. And I thought this was very interesting, and I wonder if it's something that uh, Attorney General, former Attorney General Peter Harvey, will consider. Uh, Dan Patrick came out and said, "You know what? The he wasn't a first time offender, like as a Judge Robinson had said. He, he wasn't really wasn't a first time offender. And the first time an incident happened, that's his first time offense. But then the second woman and the third woman, those are all second time, third time, fourth time offender." And that could be the key in this. If Harvey decides, if uh, Peter Harvey decides, you know what, um, he is a multiple-time offender. He's not a first-time offender. Then you're probably looking at the at the banishment or one year and a huge fine. So the differences between Sue Robinson and uh, and Harvey. Okay, so Sue Robinson, and this is from the the, uh, the Deadspin, Julie DeCaro from Deadspin put this out that Sue Robinson's. A law firm, Farnan LLP, had a description of her legal career on their website, which is you know normal for that to happen. And this is what it said, and again, this is from Deadspin. During her tenure on the bench, Judge Robinson presided over an extraordinary number of complex cases, primarily involving patent disputes, including the billion-dollar stent litigation, but also numerous trademark infringement and antitrust disputes. So that's Sue Robinson's expertise. Nothing with this. And it doesn't give any kind of reference. Like, I don't know if she really was qualified. Qualified is the wrong word. If she was the best choice as somebody to, to see, oversee a case like this. Now, Peter Harvey, the difference with him, um, he served as a federal prosecutor. And his expertise are in, is criminal law, including domestic violence and sexual assault. He may have a different spin on this uh, than Sue Robinson did. And Sue Robinson did what she was asked to do. She heard the case. She made her decision. And this is not a knock on Sue Robinson, although I think it was 
uh, a light sentence, and a lot of people do, especially the NFL, and that's why uh, this is happening. But um, I think that it's very possible that uh, Peter Harvey is a much better, much better equipped to hear this and make a, a ruling on this. So, um, but like Mike Florio said, no matter what happens, Watson did not appeal that six-game suspension. His people did not, and so he is bound to that six-game suspension to start the season. It's just a question of what will happen after that. So there's a lot of time for this to be heard, figured out, and decisions made by uh, Peter Harvey on how he wants to go forward with uh, the discipline. And if he comes out with something much heavier, then I'm sure Watson and the Players Association will take it to federal court. Um, but I, I got to believe the NFL might be negotiating right now with Watson's people and saying, look, this is what we're going for. Um, but if you'll take 12 games and a $10 million fine, we'll we'll agree to that and let it go. And that could be the case. I don't think the NFL wants this to go because with the discovery phase of all this, you know, Watson's people, Watson's lawyers are going to request all kinds of information regarding things like what's going on with Daniel Snyder in Washington and how that was handled. And I don't think any of the owners or most of the owners want any part of that. Well, no, probably any of the owners, because even if you're an owner who's clean, you don't want that coming out because it, it will damage the values of franchises and could in fact value the damage of your franchise. And I'm not trying to gloss over the seriousness of sexual assault. I'm just saying why I think owners would, I think that's where their minds would be is we don't want this to get out. And uh, I don't think that Goodell wants it truly to get out either. So interesting case to watch. We'll see what happens. Um, I personally think Watson should be banned. I think he should have to sit out the entire year and have to apply for reinstatement. Uh, but we'll see what happens there. And, you know, now you look at it the other way. Now let's go to the football side of things. Let's say he does get a more lengthy suspension. Maybe it is 12 games, 17 games, whatever. If it's if it's more than eight games, you have to wonder if the Browns will then make a play to sign Jimmy Garoppolo for one year. And if I'm Garoppolo, it's a great situation. If you know you're going in there, Watson's not coming back, or at least not until later in the year, you have a chance to rehab your image a little bit. Although his image doesn't need that much rehabbing, just if you can go there and become a winner there as well. And it's set up a lot like some of the teams he's played for before and had success with San Francisco. Great defense and a good running game. Uh, and that and the, the Browns have a, a very good offensive line, a great defense in that running game, the the you know the trinity of running backs with Uranus Johnson, Chubb, and Kareem Hunt. And uh, so it's a great situation to walk into, win some more games, and just think if Garoppolo got the Browns to the playoffs after getting San Francisco to a Super Bowl and to an NFC Championship game after that, how huge that could be. Um, okay. Um, also want to talk now about the passing of Vin Scully and, you know, we lost, uh, Bill Russell and now we lose Vin Scully who's passed away. And there are two, two icons and they are, you know, one of a kind individuals, Vin Scully, 94 years old, passed away. He called games for the Dodgers from 1950 to 2016. He called games involving Connie Mack, Connie Mack, was born in 1862, longtime manager of the Philadelphia Athletics. Vin Scully called games involving a guy who was born in 1862, which is an amazing fact. But you look at his career, you know, the Jackie Robinson uh, coming to the big leagues and what that was like. He was calling those kinds of games. He called when Hank Aaron hit number 715 uh, for the Braves to break Babe Ruth's record. So many classic calls, the, the ball going through Buckner's legs, Dwight Clark championship game uh, catch against the Cowboys. And he called a multitude of sports. You know, he called football uh, with CBS for a long time, did games there. Uh, he would do baseball, radio, and TV sometimes on the same day. Do radio for a while, then TV. Uh, NBC's Game of the Week in baseball. 
obviously the postseason coverage. I mentioned the Bill Buckner and the Red Sox and the Mets and how he was uh, the call he had on that game. And I always wondered about this with Vin Scully. Was First of all, I've never heard a negative thing about the guy. Like there's been no, nothing negative ever said about Vin Scully. Um, and the way, what was different about Vin Scully was the way he could weave stories into a game. And with all the dead air time in a baseball game, it's, it, that, that's a great, um, a, a great thing to be able to do. It's a great art form that Vin Scully, again, one of a kind, the way he did it. And he had just the most pleasant voice to hear call a sport. And the way his pacing, the way he would pause, the way he let, he always talked about this, was he would let the moment, he would let it breathe. And, um, you know, the Kirk Gibson home run, another great example uh, against Dennis Eckersley in 88. But I don't know if that was something that he learned or something he just had, a sense of of timing. And maybe it's all, maybe it wasn't something you had to learn. Maybe it wasn't something he could be taught. Maybe it was just something he was born with and just picked up on from listening to other broadcasters and trying to, do it his way, but also try to take little bits and pieces and critiques of what other guys did and picked up on that. But Vin Scully was amazing. He is the greatest. No one will ever have the career he had. No one will ever be able to have the um, the body of work as far as the different things he did and the games he called. Just amazing moments. And I, as soon as I heard he passed away, I spent some time uh, firing up YouTube and finding old games to listen to that Vin Scully did because um, he was just that great. And I'm, I'm glad that there are recordings of what he did around, so we never have to really go without the voices, uh, the voice of Vin Scully in our lives. He was that good, and he was the best. All right, that's it for the uh, JT Show, the Jeff Fitoff Show today. I appreciate you tuning in, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at That Happens, and we'll get back to you again very soon. Lots to get into every single day of the week. We'll talk soon.